Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, we've got a special Christmas podcast for you with church historian Jeff Childers. But before we get to that, let me tell you about a special sponsor for this special podcast. Our sponsor is a two-part sponsor. The first is Ty Dishman's Companion Pass on Southwest Airlines. Thanks, Ty. And the second sponsor is Mr. I'll Take the Middle Seat, Daniel Clayton. The best smile in the business, D.C. Thank you all. Christmas time. Let's do it. Have a holly jolly Christmas with this podcast. One. All right, friends. Welcome back to the show. It's Christmas time. And when I think Christmas, there's only one person that comes to my mind. My favorite historian, Dr. Jeff Childers. How are you, sir? Good. Nice. I'm glad I'm so much in your mind. You're all the time. I mean, ever since I met you, when did I meet you? It probably was around 2000 in Abilene, in the Bible department, at the very building you are in right now. That's right. That was a long time ago. It was. Special time. We're still friends. We are. We are. I, would ass- I think the first class that I had with you as my professor was probably a Greek class. Ooh. Yeah. How did that go? Um, I passed. Okay. Which speaks more to your kindness and graciousness than to my intellect. I'd like to think it has a lot to do with my ability to teach you Greek. Mm-hmm. Sure. We'll take that. <laughs> we'll take that. Now, I had a friend of mine um, who, when he finished his schooling, there was a professor yeah. who came up to him and said, I, I really feel like you're wasting your intelligence by not being in the academy but working at a church. And... You've never said that to me, but I always got the impression that you've always kind of felt that way about me being so smart that I probably should be a professor, and I'm wasting it being a, a pastor. No, I don't think that at all. <laughs> You're so smart that the last thing you would want to do is to be a professor. Mm-hmm. You've got all of these intelligences that need to find expression in a church mm-hmm. and working with people. Yeah, That's a really it, nice way to say that. It requires a lot more intelligence to do that than it does to uh, lecture on history in a university, let me mm-hmm. tell you. That's, that's very generous, since not only were you a Greek professor of mine, because y- you just did that for fun, but you're also a church historian. And so I had you mm-hmm. for a plethora of church history classes. Yeah. And those were great times. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They always they are. They still are. Yeah. <laughs> you're welcome back anytime. Really? Do you want me to like do some lecturing? Why not? Really? Okay, we're gonna have to. I'm gonna write that on my calendar. Come lecture, church history. Um, what would you most like to talk about? Um, um, maybe when when the Spurs drafted Tim Duncan. Does that count as church history? <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that less than fifty years old? I'm not yeah, sure. It really yeah. qualifies. No, that doesn't count. No. Um. Okay, I'll I'll probably just need to pray about it. And oh, okay. but you know what we do need to talk about? What's that? Christmas. It's Christmas time. It is Christmas time. I see that everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. I just spent a few days in Iceland, and they're very Christmassy there. Really, there's a lot of snow. The northern lights are out. They're very excited about Christmas. It's really close to the North Pole, of course. Yeah. Uh, so I was reminded that it's about to be Christmas. Did you see Santa Claus? 
I didn't see Santa. No, no, no. Now you were in Iceland before that. Were you like over at Oxford for the semester? Yeah, that's right. I was in a in a study abroad program with students in Oxford, so we got to spend a few months over there, which was great. Did you like show off your like Oxford like card or something? Like, hey, I went to school here. I get into sports bars for free or something. <laughs> Only when it was to my advantage, which was about every day. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's time. Let's get serious here. No more yep. joking around. No more, you know, joshing around about my academic prowess. Let's talk about Christmas. Yeah. Um, I've read the Bible um, this week, and I read Luke and because it has the best name, and then I read Matthew. And what I need now, just as a church historian, just tell me which one is the right account. Which one is the actual account of what happened on December 25th, 000? when Jesus was born? Uh, well, I'm not sure it was zero, zero, zero. You know, they, I came up with those calculations in the, in the uh, fifth and sixth centuries when that was kind of being worked out. Might Wait, have so made there, a slight error. So they didn't have like a watch that just went to zero, 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 and they said, something's going to happen tomorrow. This is going to be awesome. That's not how it went down? No, that's right. They weren't as concerned with that kind of uh, calendar and timekeeping as much as we are. Okay. But Matthew, Matthew and Luke, yeah, they're both really great stories. And I think each of them tells the story of the coming of Jesus in a different way. So does John, and so so does so does Mark. But uh, they don't they don't have as many cool stories about Jesus' birth. But they're also very concerned about the coming of Jesus to the world because that's like the biggest event in human history. Yeah. I mean. Since your your history class, I mean, like before your history class at ACU, the biggest deal obviously was when Jesus was born. Um, but okay, so I want to know which is the right one, though. I know you just said they're both good stories, but like I just need to tell people this is the the right one to read because one says like there's shepherd there, others say they're magi. The angels are a little bit confused. Maybe there's two rounds of angels. One went for Matthew, one went for Luke. Maybe different people were in charge. Something about a census and Herod. Um, I just, I just, which is the right one? <laughs> I think they're both the right one, and I don't think that's a cop out. I think they're telling uh, stories that are a little bit different. You know, when you read Luke, what Luke's trying to do is say uh, this is a story that fulfills what was being talked about in the Old Testament, and just like you had people like Abraham and Sarah. Uh, expecting God to work in their lives. You have Elizabeth and Zechariah expecting God to work in mm-hmm. their, their lives. And um, and Matthew's got a different story. Matthew's talking about the history of Israel, starts with that genealogy, which is a real, you know, real kind of dry way to start your your, your book, right? But uh, situating it in the story of Israel and and looking at Joseph as like one of the great old patriarchs that has mm-hmm. angels coming to him, talking to him about what's about to happen. Mary's a bigger deal in Luke, and maybe Joseph is a bigger deal in in, uh, in Matthew. But they tell the same story. They just tell it from different perspectives and offer different different details. I love both of them. I can't imagine why you're trying to make, to force me to pick was, between okay, them. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not going to make you pick which is your favorite uh, gospel. Um, like, which is your favorite kid, though? I know you, you've got multiples. Do you have a favorite one of those? No, okay. One of my, each, each of my three kids. No, I'm not going to weigh in on that, though. Okay, okay. Not, not so, here. Okay, well, help me out here. As a, as a church historian, you know everything yeah. that happened in history. So mm-hmm. let's say it's 50 AD, and the family is gathered around the Christmas tree, 
and they're reading a section of the text that they all have personal copies of. Like, tell me kind of what's going on, like when they're celebrating Christmas back then in 50 AD. Well, uh, I'm not sure they were celebrating Christmas in 50, you know, to be honest. I mean, thinking about it historically. In what? The, 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 uh, so they didn't get Christmas presents? And like, if you're a little baby, 50 no, AD. No, there was no Christmas tree. Uh, they weren't real clear on the 25th of December. Uh, there, was no, there were no layaway plans. What and a ripoff. Black Friday was not really a thing. Really? That's yeah. FDR's fault, I'm sure. So when did they start celebrating <laughs> Christmas? Well, you know, it was always a big deal to early Christians, just like it was to Israel, to commemorate these really crucial events in salvation history, like the Passover or the giving of the law or the resurrection of Jesus on a Sunday. I mean, Sunday morning Christian worship is about commemorating every week that that happened in history. And so... Early Christians uh, started doing that, sort of like their, their Jewish forebears had done, with the uh, the events of Jesus' story. And the, the first one really was Easter, actually, honestly. They, they started celebrating every year the time of Jesus' death and resurrection as a thing to commemorate. And we see that by the early second century. Christmas was a, a little bit later, actually. Uh, they're talking at the late second that's in the late 100s and the early 200s about what the date of Jesus' birth might have been. And they have lots of different ideas about that. No one really knows. No one really knows the day Jesus was, was born. But they knew that he was born mm-hmm. and that that was the most important thing that had happened in, in human history, setting up Jesus' death and resurrection. And so they decided, we want to commemorate that. We want to celebrate that and let that be a part of our, our rhythms and our seasons every year. And we call it Christmas, which basically just means uh, worship that's sort of focused on Christ. Um, but there have been different ways of talking about it. Some some in, 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 in the early church, uh, they talked about the season of Advent, uh, Advent is, comes from a Latin word that means coming. And so it was all about the coming of Jesus Christ to the world. So they were just celebrating at different times because they hadn't found the original manuscript that said December 25th. And so they're, they're, they're floating around celebrating the season of Advent, but there's not a specific time that that's rooted in around 200 A.D.? Yeah, there wasn't a specific time. You know, there were some early church fathers writing about it, and they they offered different dates, which probably they had heard. And who knows? Maybe one of them was the real date. But there's no uh, there's no concrete historical evidence to support a particular date on which Jesus was born. But the two dates that sort of emerged as the most common ones were December 25th, especially in Christians, kind of in the western part of the Roman Empire, and then January 6th which uh, was more commonly celebrated among Christians in the eastern part of the Roman Empire. And, and the dates between them, January 25th and January 6th, those, those, are, the, those are the 12 days of Christmas. The 12 days. Huh. Yeah, like the song, you know, there's a song. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. So that's that right. song goes back to 200 A.D., is what you're saying. <laughs> well, that's not exactly, you know, they, I don't think anybody in 200 A.D., A.D. 200 wrote that song. But, uh, but that notion of there being 12 days of Christmas. What were they doing in those 12 days then? Right. Was there anything special? Well, they developed these traditions of giving gifts. Uh, I think early Christians thought 
the biggest gift of all had been given in Jesus Christ. God the Father was a big gift giver, and uh, the notion of giving gifts became an early Christmas tradition. But, you know, it was around 200 that they were really sort of speculating about dates, Mm -hmm. and by the early 300s, they had settled into these two main dates, January 25th, I mean, January 6th, and excuse me, and uh, December 25th. And then eventually it sort of settled into that one date, December 25th, where they decided this is gonna be the day on which we celebrate the birth of Jesus, even if truth be told, we don't know for sure exactly what day he was born on, just like, I'm going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus next Sunday, even though I don't know that that was, you know, in fact, I know that it's not the exact day of the year that Jesus was uh, raised uh, back to life on. Okay. But they wanted to keep commemorating. Okay, so I'm going to have to edit out that liberalism that I don't want to, you know, mess people's salvation up by hearing that. And one of the other things of liberalism that maybe you can help refute is I've heard that the winter solstice was a celebration that helped influence the date of the early Christian celebration of Christmas. Tell me that's not true. <laughs> well, I think there's uh, I think there's some truth to that. And, uh, and, 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 and here's why that's so. I mean, I, I said a minute ago that uh, Christians and, and, and the Jews and the children of Israel before them like to celebrate particular dates um, connected with the seasons. And, and that's true. Um, that was always true. And the Jews didn't invent circumcision. They didn't invent having uh, sacrifices at particular times uh, or having a, a springtime festival, which Passover is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what they did is they took those things that existed in the society around them and adapted some of them, but situated them in a different story than the pagans around them were celebrating them in with a different ethic, a different story and a different ethic. So when the Jews practice circumcision or Passover or, or, you know, harvest festivals or whatever, they situate it in a different story, the story of God, and they have a different ethic. And the same thing happened with uh, the observance of Christmas. There's a, yeah, there's a winter solstice. It's a seasonal thing that happens every year, the shortest day of the year, mm-hmm. um, and er, ancient peoples were very sensitive to that. They knew that it was the shortest day of the year, and there was a sense in which when you got to that point, you felt that the, the battle between darkness and light, between you know life and death, was sort of at its peak because uh, the days had been so dark, and the you know, plants are dead, and everybody's struggling because of the winter. And then it started to turn after around December 22nd, 23rd, 24th, the solstice, you know, in another direction. So there were a lot of festivals that took place right then in the dead of winter because of that. Well, early Christians uh, in the early 4th century sort of adapted that into their own practices. But they said, look, uh, we're going to talk about the coming of the true light to the world, Jesus Christ and true life, and true rebirth, and a shift of human spiritual seasons, not just earthly, global seasons. But it's absolutely the case that festivals and practices, and even things like uh, the use of greenery 
you know, uh, mistletoe and uh, evergreen trees, which sort of symbolize eternal life and the promise of springtime coming, that uh, those things were adapted into the Christian story out of practices of the people who were pre-Christian around them. Yeah. I, I, I read somewhere, maybe it was an early church historian possibly who said this, but that they picked December 25th because it was the shortest day of the year, and therefore you had to spend the least amount of time with your in-laws. <laughs> Have you read that in any of your— uh... I haven't read that argument. It's, it's a compelling argument, not because of any personal stories or anything about my own in-laws, you understand. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, not me. Uh, yeah. uh, but <laughs> over against that would be, to me, the offsetting argument that if you're going to eat lots of food with your in-laws or anyone else, this is— the perfect time to do it and so why would you want that to be short yeah i, I personally yeah. don't i love my in-laws but i'm just saying that's that's a, a source that i heard so okay so we have early uh early christians who are being influenced by the winter solstice and that's helping them when they're picking the date and all that um did they back then have arguments about keeping christ in christmas because the winter solstice was influencing them or did they say wait a minute was was Christmas here first, and then we put Christ into it? How? Yeah, yeah. Was that I, the I, original I, war on Christmas? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure it was exactly, but uh, but there is something to that, you know, because uh, Christian leaders would uh, tell their people, "Look, I, I know you've been celebrating these midwinter festivals in honor of this or that pagan god, but I want I want you to honor the one true God, Yahweh God, and I want you to do it through Jesus Christ. Yep. And rather than talking about the stories of these sort of pagan mythologies, I'm going to tell you about the story of the coming of Jesus Christ. And so, in a way, there's kind of a culture war uh, going on yep. there, but I don't think they had any sense that... Um, you know, that anyone who wasn't a Christian would necessarily need to observe all of that. Yeah, so it had nothing to do with Starbucks and their coffee cups, but it did have a serious thing about how people were saying, you know, the world came to be and what, what mattered and what was important yeah. and how, in the same way that some would read the uh, the creation stories and say, this is a polemic against maybe a Babylonian creation story, and the Christian story is dealing with that same material and say, no, Creation happens by the voice of God, not by, you know, two gods fighting and one body, you know, one God losing, getting their body ripped in half and all that stuff. But there is a similar sense that this is speaking against the culture that surrounds them, and they're speaking into the stories that are shaping the lives of the people around them, right? Absolutely. Yep. When, you, when you've got people thinking, okay, how do we drive out the darkness that is in the world and renew the seasons, as they're sort of thinking about during the midwinter solstice? Uh, Christians were saying, well, let me tell you about the real darkness in the world. And it's not really so much about seasons. It's about, it's, it's about sin. It's about abuse. It's about oppression. It's about addiction. It's about the things that, that, are, that are really dark in people's lives and, um, and in society. And there is light to shine on those dark places, on those dark moments. And it doesn't have much to do with, with the mythology that you've been celebrating over the generations. It has to do with the coming of Jesus Christ, who is the light and life of the world. And so it was an opportunity basically to preach the gospel and to, um, to offer an alternative view of what might keep darkness at bay and allow true light to shine in people's lives. And so light has always been an important theme or symbol, candles, uh, sparkly, mm. glinty lights, tree lights, and, and all of that um, in uh, Christian observance of Christmas. Really? So is that like a tie-in of, you know, John's creation, or not creation, but, the, you know, the entrance of Jesus into the story 
the light came into the, the darkness. Is that, is that where we get that from? Yeah, and the darkness has not overcome it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what John says. So the Gospel of John has its own Christmas story, and it's all about the coming of life and light in, in, into the cosmos. Uh, not so much about shepherds and angels, but uh, it's, it's a little more cosmic than that. But it's yeah. a, precisely the same thing, yeah. And so the lights that we have, Christmas lights, that comes from a visual reminder of what you know, happens at the birth of Jesus, Right? Right. Interesting. Right. Fascinating. So when when does the virgin birth become a big part of the Christmas story? Because I think you have Matthew and Luke talk about it, but you don't find, you know, Mark, John's not talking about it. You don't find Paul talking about it. Peter's not talking about it. There's no other, you know, biblical text in the New Testament that is talking about the virgin birth other than a little section in Matthew and Luke. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, to... To argue from silence and to say, hey, Mark doesn't talk about the virgin birth, so it must not be that important, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's true, Mark doesn't talk about the virgin birth, but Mark doesn't talk about a lot of things. He, ta- he has the message that he wants to present, and and tr- true, that's clearly what's important to him. But uh, that's one of the reasons why we have multiple Gospels, because there are different windows on this story. And the stories that we see in Matthew and Luke, which emphasize strongly the the virgin birth and the early church's reception of that and strong emphasis on the virgin birth of Jesus Christ this is a this is a cardinal doctrine of christianity uh, the belief that somehow god has visited the world in the form of this baby this person who's a human who was born to a woman uh, but this woman but but the father of this child is not uh, it's not a human being and therefore this woman is a virgin that was a really critical doctrine to early christianity in its early centuries and i think it's still pretty important because it speaks to the way god has chosen to sort of address human problems and that is his strategy for dealing with what's wrong with the world is to uh, is to enter those problems uh, himself to take on flesh and to come to step into them, which for Christians means our approach to the problems in the world surely must be to step into them and become uh, a part of the solution to the problems by helping to participate in them and walk alongside the people who are in them, uh, which is precisely what God did. And all that sort of bound up in the doctrine of the virgin birth. Wow, that's good. Was there anything that from your experience, that you would think the first, second, or third century uh, hearers of the story of the virgin birth would have extra significance given to compared to 21st century listeners of the story? Is there anything in the first or second century that really um, caused that story to have more magnitude than maybe what we hear today as? Yeah, you know, what they really had a lot of trouble with was thinking about God connected with the human world. Uh, because for so many of them, God was so far above and beyond the material world that we live in that is physical and passing and, you know, smells bad and things break and fall yeah, apart. Yeah. And so, you know, what would God have to do with that? He would be far removed from that. He's too perfect. He's too holy and so on. So a lot of early Christians had a lot of difficulty conceiving of Jesus as really a human being if he's going to be the son of God. And and so there were versions of the Christian story that sort of bracketed that out and said, listen, gee, you know, he was he was divine, but he wasn't human. Right. No. 
And I think that's very different from uh, for, for many Christians in the 21st century who almost have sort of the reverse idea. Um, and that it's easy, easy for me to think of Jesus as a human. And I want to think of Jesus as somebody who can connect with me and he's my friend and we, you know, we're close and he gets me and that sort of thing. But it's hard for me to think of him as, as God, yeah. as the one through whom everything was made and on whom everything depends. And maybe I should have a little respect for him, you know. So, but they're really, but this doctrine is kind of speaks to both sides of that. It's saying, no, you got to make the big grab. The whole, the whole point of this is that God and humanity are together again, that God took on the life of human beings so that human beings could take on the life of God, and that that's what salvation and Christianity are about. And it's, it's the thing that sort of makes Christianity distinct. Uh, it's, it, 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 it's not the doctrine of Islam, for example, or of Judaism, or of Buddhism, or of Hinduism, uh, with a great deal of respect for the people who practice those religions, they have a different understanding of how God works in the world. And this is at the core of what's actually different between Christianity in comparison to those other religions. We understand that God works in the world through incarnation. And uh, that is sort of not the case in all of those other religions. So it's a, it's a big deal, I think. Yeah. And so you see, obviously, you know, Paul and others dealing with the Gnostic problem where they believe, okay, this is a divine person, but maybe not so human. Whereas right. t- today you have people with T-shirts that say, Jesus is my homeboy, because they believe in his humanity, um, but the divinity is, is maybe a little bit farther for them to, to get to. Whereas in the first century, no one has God is my homeboy tattooed on their arm. So exactly. different, different set of issues there. Now, w- one of the things that, I don't think it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John that referenced this, but... Um, it obviously is a big part of the Christmas story is, is Santa Claus. Um, which, which biblical story gives us credence for celebrating Christmas with Santa Claus? Oh, right. Santa Claus. Yeah. Uh, this is the guy with the, the, with the red suit, right? St. Nicholas. Got, yeah. St. Nicholas. Yeah. Well, and maybe that's a good place to start is kind of separate those two things out. You know, I, I understand the, um, the sentiment of some people who are saying, look, Christmas is about Jesus Christ, and Santa Claus has become so connected with consumerism, I want to spend money, Black Friday, you know, getting, 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 getting uh, gifts and presents. Uh, I can understand sort of backlash against that and wanting to sort of bracket that out. But Santa Claus, I mean, that that name is really just a, a, a Dutch name, actually, for St. Nicholas. And I do want to say something about St. Nicholas, since you brought that up. Uh, St. Nicholas was a real guy. He's not in the Bible. He lived in the 300s. He lived in Asia Minor. He was a church leader in the town of Myra in Asia Minor. And uh, there are all these stories about his life, and especially about his ministry, and the way that he would go around looking for families that needed help, and he would give them money, and he would leave secret gifts, you know, anonymous gifts, in people's uh, in people's homes, um, he would provide money to buy back young girls so that they wouldn't be sold into prostitution slavery. Okay, there's a slightly different Christmas story, perhaps, yeah, that, and often gets told. Yeah, that doesn't get worked into. That, <laughs> that's not very jolly or merry to tell that story. Yeah, no, that's it's 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 really kind of a dark story, except except for the light of uh, Nicholas Nicholas of Myra. 
uh, kind of living out the, the Jesus life in being generous with other people and providing gifts for the people who needed it most. And that's where the whole Santa Claus things, thing begins, is you know, this idea that Christmas is about God's giving of gifts to us, and we need to give gifts to him and to one another. And by the way, there's this guy, Nicholas of Myra, who, who was considered a saint, who was this great, generous gift giver. He was a big deal in the fourth century. I mean, he went to the Council of Nicaea. You know, it's a big, big council. And, and uh, uh, with my own kids, uh, we, talked, we, uh, we talked a lot about St. Nicholas and about his example and some of the stories about him. Some of them are legendary. Some of them are more factual. But they all emphasize his generosity and the way that he tries to, um, to help people who are in need during the season and that that was grounded in this desire to give and so rather than to receive and so for us giving gifts at christmas time which is something we we've always done as a family is 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 a matter of giving rather than receiving we've always tried to find ways to sort of emphasize that that's what you're doing in christmas not so much getting things you want but giving things that will bless other people and that's very much i think in the spirit of the true christmas and even of saint nicholas so which who in dutch is santa claus so mm. I, I don't i don't have a big beef against santa claus so but really, i do understand people who do now the hardest thing for me to really connect to that story is about someone leaving anonymous things um like especially with the internet age people when they leave anonymous things on the internet it's never positive like no one ever leaves a nice anonymous comment on your podcast it's never like <laughs> Hey, this is anonymous. You're not terrible. It's never that. So um, that's hard for me to believe. But this this Santa Claus of Myra is that his name? Santa Claus of Myra or yeah, it's, uh, Nicholas of Myra. Yeah, yeah. So he gets invited to the Council of Nicaea, and he gets included in Christmas lore for the last 1700 years. So he's done some really good stuff. Congratulations, True. Santa Claus. Now you talked about you as a as a parent. Um, you talk about how you guys give gifts and the spirit of what Christmas is like. And I'm interested as to how you like told the story specifically of Christmas to your kids, especially when they were younger. Cause right now they're like, you have one out of, in college, out of college, kind of the oldest. Is that... They're grown up, you know, yeah. I mean, they're practicing medicine and all kinds of crazy things. Yeah. And, and by practicing medicine, like as actual medical professionals, not like they're just Correct. trying to mix drugs in your you know your 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 bathroom or something. So they're they're all grown up. But back when they were little kids, how did you talk to your kids about this Christmas story? Because um, <clears throat> I had a guy in the podcast not too long ago who was not a person of the Christian persuasion, and you know he joked about oh December twenty fifth isn't the day that Jesus was actually born. As though, and he's saying this humorously, but he's saying, well if you you know that, then the whole linchpin of Christianity falls apart because if that's not real, then all of it can't be real, and blah blah blah. As someone who doesn't hold to maybe a, um, I don't want to put a pejorative term, but hold to the uh, maybe antiquated belief that December 25th is actually when Jesus is born and your kids are celebrating this day. How did you teach them this as, a, as, as children, how to celebrate Christmas without getting caught up in saying this is the actual date and all that stuff? Right, yeah. Well, we were, you know, pretty honest with them. Uh, I think maybe in, in age-appropriate ways, at least I hope so. We told 
Uh, we let stories about Santa Claus, including just some of the fun stories about the, the legends and the lore be told. We had books and and uh, would would read those, you know, uh, because and 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 let them know that they these are just stories. But then we would tell them about St. Nicholas and we have some books about Nicholas of Myra and his stories and the way in which he was trying to live out uh, Jesus call through uh, gift giving. Uh, but we emphasized scripture. We emphasize scripture, which is what the early church did too. You know, the season of Christmas in the church, early church's calendar is a season of Advent. It's a season of of the coming of God's work and of Jesus Christ to the world, which is what Advent means. And it was all based on reading certain scriptures at certain times, you know, through the season. And so that was the main thing that we did with our kids is we we read those scriptures and said this is what it's this is what it's actually about. We don't we, we don't know exactly what day Jesus was born on, but that's not the point of this. Um, I I I understand that if a person realizes, hey, December twenty fifth might not have been the day, and then if I was told that all my life, that could be a little disconcerting. That it was the day, uh, that, that 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 could be a little troubling, but. Um, but I don't think it should be. You know, as human beings, we're we love to celebrate anniversaries, birthdays, to commemorate things. Often they are on the days. Sometimes they're not on the days. Frequently we don't know exactly what days certain things happened. If I were to explain to you your listeners, the problems of reconciling all of the different calendars that have been used down through the centuries so that we really had much of a clue about exactly what day things happened on hundreds of years ago, uh, they would boggle their mind. You and know, I, try to, I try to tell that to my wife when I forget an anniversary. The same thing. Yeah. It's like, how do we really know exactly when that wedding took place? We don't really know. I hope that works for you, huh? Well, the problem is uh, you haven't been married that long. I and mean, we've had an atomic clock since then, so you really have no excuse. I'm sorry. Again, I'm going to have to edit that part out, too. <laughs> but, uh, but in the past, it wasn't so. So the, the whole point is the, uh, to commemorate the fact that this thing happened and not just to say, well, it's vaguely in our minds and we're not really ever going to focus on it, but to say, let's take a season where we will focus on it and think deeply about it and read all the scriptures that talk about it and wrestle with what that means for our lives. Jesus came into the world. Jesus is coming back into the world. Many of the Advent passages of scripture have to do with the second coming, not Mm -hmm. the first. And we want Jesus to come into our lives and our homes and our family right now today. So that's another coming of Jesus. It's a really rich time to read scripture and to talk about those things over against commercialism, um, over against some of the things that we get distracted by during this season, uh, and even over against the culture war that sometimes happen between, um, between Christians who are worried that Christ is being taken out of Christmas in a greeting card or something like that, when there really are many more things to focus on in relation to the coming of Jesus than that. Uh, and uh, those are the kinds of things that we emphasized with, with our kids. Now, we had, you know, just practical things. I mean, when we, we had Christmas morning gift giving, and we would uh, say, okay, here's the deal. The emphasis is on giving because that's what God did for us. And so we want you to go get the presents that you are giving to people and pile them up at your feet. And we're going to go around the circle and you're going to give that present to someone. 
uh, and celebrate the giving of that thing to someone rather than, you know, to get all excited about the fact that you're receiving something. Now, as kids, of course, they were very, still very excited to be received. <laughs> but that little shift where the emphasis was yeah. a little bit more on the giving than yeah. the receiving really paid off over the years with our with our kids. And they, they still love that tradition, and it means a lot to them. Really, when you said paid off over the years, is there any way that you can see that it paid off other than maybe they still you guys still do that even though they're adults now? Yeah, we still do that. I think that's something uh, they're going to continue to do in their own lives and families. Yeah. And it paid off in the sense that they understood from a very early time that what was exciting about this was the chance to give something to someone. So when we would take time to go, you know, stock shelves at the pantry or uh, the food pantry or to uh, go volunteer at a Christmas store where people who were needy were receiving, you know, clothes that they needed for the winter, that that was, you know, an exciting part of what Christmas means. It, yeah. And uh, they learned that early on. And that's great. And so that's tied to the fact that God is the giver. And that's what, if we trace it back to 100, 200 AD in those 12 days of Christmas, it was about giving to reflect that God gave them so much in Jesus. And so someone 100 years after the birth of Jesus, they're giving out a Target gift card to someone because it reflects that God gave them, right? Yeah, that's, there may be a little anachronism in that. I'm not sure how many Target gift cards there were, but uh, but yeah, that's basically true. I mean, Target's pretty much everywhere. I don't, I don't see what that seems right to me. Um, Okay, so obviously you're growing a beard now to reflect Santa Claus or St. Nick, so thank you for that. <laughs> That's good. Now, we've had you on to talk about Lent, which was about a year or two ago, and yeah. it's changed the world pretty much, that discussion. Now, That's what I've heard. Now you've discussed Christmas with us, and uh, so we've talked about Christmas, we've talked about Easter. Which one really is the important one? If we're going to really do one and we get busy and go out of town or something, which one really matters the most? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, in a way, it might be easy to say that Lent, the crucifixion, Easter is the big deal uh, because the death of Jesus is so important to our salvation. But uh, the death of Jesus, well, what the crucifixion says is that somebody died. And, mm-hmm. and frankly, in a horrible way, although there are people who die in even more horrible ways than that. I mean, honestly, even today. Uh, but who was it that died? Now, when you ask that question, then that takes you to Christmas. That takes you to the birth of Jesus. That takes you to the incarnation to ask questions about who this person is. Uh, was it just uh, a human being? Uh, what does it mean that this person came into the world? What does it mean that uh, he was? What does it mean that God chose to work through peasants in first-century Palestine? Uh, what does it mean that uh, God chose to work in places that were out of the way corners of the world to accomplish His most important feat? I think those are those are the Christmas questions, so just some of the Christmas questions, and they're pretty important. And if you don't have some answers to those questions, frankly, Easter doesn't matter that much. So I'm going to, again, I'm going to cop out a little bit and say they're really very, both very, very important. And I wouldn't want to miss out on either one of the opportunities to think about how important these moments in salvation history are to us. 
So they're both so they're both important. Christmas. Yeah, I wouldn't go out of town on either one. <clears throat> Although actually, I do often go out of town on both of them, but not in the sense you meant. Oh, okay. Um, I guess you're probably going to say the same thing if I asked you, okay, Christmas, Easter, Valentine's Day. You're probably going to say they all three matter, and so I'm not even going to ask well, the question. St. Valentine, is that's a whole other story uh, than sort of about chocolates and, and, and cards. But uh, are we talking again about some kind of faux pas that you experienced with your wife maybe? Like no, no, I've never okay. forgotten a Valentine's Day. Um, but what I haven't also forgotten is how much I appreciate you coming on the podcast. That's what we call transition in the business. JC, thanks for your time. You're the best. Appreciate it. Have a Merry Christmas, and congratulations on that beard. Thanks. You too. Merry Christmas. <laughs> congratulations on my beard or the, the Merry Christmas? <laughs> Just really the Merry Christmas. <laughs> Outstanding. All right. Well, uh, Thanks, man. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.